This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro, Channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn, Radio Romania International 1, and in Europe via satellite Utilsat 16A on 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. We wish you good reception conditions. with the news. First, the headlines. Four people were arrested in Romania as part of an investigation concerning abuses committed at retirement homes where residents lived in dire conditions. The government plans to approve a national program to develop the domestic production of building materials. And two Romanian tennis players, Sorana Kursta and Anna Bogdan, have reached the third round at Wimbledon. Four persons were arrested in Romania as part of a case concerning retirement homes near Bucharest, where residents lived in dire conditions. Eleven persons were placed under house arrest and six under judicial control. In the meantime, other revelations have surfaced in this case. It appears that the staff were stealing food and clothes sent by families from the residents and prosecutors are also in possession of telephone recordings in which the suspects talk among themselves about how they abuse the elderly physically and verbally. The damage estimated in this case exceeds 1 million euros. Controls have begun at all retirement homes around the country. Prosecutors are also looking into how the authorities issued functioning permits to these homes and how the latter's representatives managed to fool the inspectors. The Labour Minister Marius Budai has also ordered checks concerning all state bodies involved in this case, and special committees will be set up in each county at the Prime Minister's request. The Cabinet meets today its agenda featuring, among others, a bill on the organisation and role of a newly created National Agency for Sport. Subordinated to the government and coordinated by the Prime Minister, this agency will apply the government's strategies and policies in the area of sport. It will be run by a president with a rank of state secretary and two vice presidents, who will be appointed by the Prime Minister. The government is also planning to approve a national program to boost the domestic production of building materials in order to reduce imports. Other topics on the Cabinet's agenda today are the modification of the methodological norms for establishing basic salaries for management positions held by the teaching staff, directors and deputy directors in the undergraduate system, and the approval of the second payment of Romania's financial contribution this year to the optional programmes of the European Space Agency. The country's Supreme Defence Council on Thursday approved the creation in Romania of a regional centre to train pilots flying military F-16 aircraft. The centre will initially train Romanian pilots and later also pilots from allied and partner states, including Ukraine. 
The Council also approved Romania's objectives for the upcoming NATO summit in Vilnius next week. President Klaus Johannes will again bring to the fore aspects related to the security of the Black Sea region. According to a statement from the President's office, Romania is ready to contribute to the Allied effort, both by hosting NATO multinational structures and by boosting its defense spending to 2.5% of GDP from this year. The Council also approved the Army and Interior Ministry personnel to take part next year in foreign missions and operations, with Romania's boosting its participation in the U4 Althea missions in the Bosnia and Herzegovina theater of operations. Romania's Sorana Kursta defeated Latvia's Jelena Ostapenko in three sets to reach the third round at Wimbledon. World number 37, Kirsta never made it past the third round in this tournament, a stage she has previously reached four times in 2009, 2012, 2017 and 2021. In the next round, Kirsta will be playing world number 13, Beatriz Adad Maia of Brazil. A French Open semi-finalist a few weeks ago in Paris, Haddad on Thursday defeated Romania's Jacqueline Christian in three sets. Another Romanian player, world number 57 Anna Bogdan, defeated Alicia Parks of the US on Thursday and will next face Ukraine's Lesia Tsurenko. Also on Thursday, world number 30 Irina Begu reached the second round after a three-set win against Canada's Rebecca Marino and will next play Russia's Anna Blinkova. And in other news, 75% of high school graduates in Romania who stood the baccalaureate exam have passed, the Education Ministry said today. 54 candidates got top marks in all three written exams. And the suspended bridge over the River Danube, which links the counties of Braila and Tulcea in southeastern Romania, opened for traffic on Thursday. The investment is worth 500 million euros, of which 85% is covered by European funds. The bridge is two kilometers in length and is the third in terms of size in Europe. And now a look at the weather. Forecasts warn of instability and cooler temperatures, but thermal discomfort is still high in areas in the south. Rains and thunderstorms are expected afternoon in the center, southeast, east and in the mountains. The highs of the day are between 23 and 34 degrees Celsius. And that was the news. The suspension bridge was opened in Braila on Thursday, marking the biggest investment in road infrastructure in Romania. I am Vlad Palku with a report by Stefan Stoika. There are probably very few Romanians who are happy with Romania's road infrastructure, and for good reason too. Compared to its surface, Romania fares poorly in terms of motorways and high-speed roads and rail infrastructure is rapidly deteriorating due to the shortage of major investment. Things somewhat changed once European funds got involved, although not swiftly enough to allow an average-sized country such as Romania to be crossed easily and, more importantly, without losing one's temper. Against this backdrop, the inauguration of the suspension bridge over the Danube, linking Braila and Tulcea counties in the southeast, will make life a lot easier for the local population. The political class, too, was quick to capitalize on the event, scoring some image points. 
President Klaus Johannes hailed the completion of this major road infrastructure project, highlighting this is the biggest construction project in Romania in the last 30 years. Measuring nearly two kilometers in length, the bridge is the third largest in Europe. It cost 500 million euro, and the money was mostly provided by the EU. It was built by a Japanese-Italian consortium using Japanese technology. In the long term, the bridge is expected to boost the activity in the port of Breila, which in turn could spell the creation of new jobs, Prime Minister Marcel Ciolacu said. The head of government expressed confidence the bridge will also facilitate access to the Danube Delta, which could have a major tourist impact. The bridge could also be the first pillar in one of Romania's strategic projects, which is to play a key role in the reconstruction of Ukraine. The EU Transport Commissioner Dina Volen highlighted the importance of the bridge in the current geopolitical context. Infrastructura de transporturi din regiunea Dunăreană este vitală pentru a îmbunătăți securitatea la nivelul Uniunii Europene. Road infrastructure in the Danube region is key to strengthening EU security. The capacity of this infrastructure must be enhanced at civilian and military levels. The volume of goods traveling in between Romania, Moldova and Ukraine currently account for millions of tons per month. Now, more than ever, we need the proper infrastructure that would enable military mobility, EU Transport Commissioner Adina Volan. With the opening of the bridge to road traffic, drivers now will no longer have to wait hours on end to cross the Danube by ferry. The most to benefit are large freight truck drivers, transporting goods from one bank of the Danube to the other. The bridge will also exponentially develop the economy of Tulce and Breila counties and put Romania on the higher tier of countries with high-end infrastructure, says Christian Pistol, executive director of the National Road Infrastructure Management Authority, who further argued that Romania must continue to implement infrastructure projects that would consolidate our country's position at EU and NATO levels. And that has wrapped up our newscast. Next in this program, sports. Welcome to Sports Weekend with me, Eugen Nasta. Anna Bogdan and Sorana Kirste on Thursday advanced to the third round of the Wimbledon tournament. In the second round, Bogdan outperformed US opponent Alicia Parks, 1-6-6-3-6-2. 30-year-old Anna Bogdan as an absolute first in her career has advanced to the third round at Wimbledon. Sorana Kirsta plays, however, for the fifth time in the third round at the same tournament. We recall that Kirsta in the second round on Thursday defeated 17th seeded player at Wimbledon, Latvia's Jelena Ostapenko, 4-6-7-6-6-4. Time now for news from football. The European Youth Football Championship, jointly hosted by Georgia and Romania, draws to a close this coming weekend. On Saturday in Batumi, on the Georgian shore of the Black Sea in the Championship's final, Spain play England. 
In this past Wednesday's semi-final in Bucharest, Spain trounced Ukraine 5-1, while in Batumi, England defeated Israel 3-0. Playing in Group B in Bucharest, the national under-21 Romanian team lost to Spain 0-3, sustained yet another defeat by Ukraine 0-1, and achieved an unassuming blank draw against Croatia. This coming Saturday, the domestic football season resumes with the Romanian Super Cup. The Ilie Wana Stadium in Ploiești plays host to the match pitting Farol Constanza against Shepshi OSK Svantu Gheorghe. Farol had no problem winning the championship, being in Group 1, seven points clear of the runner-up team FCSB of Bucharest. Shepshi got the upper hand in the Romanian Cup, defeating Universitatea Cluj in the final 5-4, after extra time and the penalty shootouts. Shepshi, OSK, Svantu Gheorghe are the holders of the Super Cup. We recall that in 2022, Shepshi defeated then the champion team CFR Cluj 2-1 in Arad. Paul Constanza won the Super Cup only once in 2019, when the team was named Vitorul. The final was also played in Ploiești. Back then, Gheorghe Haji's trainees defeated CFR Cluj 1-0. And that's all from Sports Today. You can also access our sports items at rri.o and on Facebook. Focus on Romania. It's now time for Song of the Day on Radio Romania International. Listen to Joe performing her song Wings.
Listening to Radio Romania International. The future starts today. Hello and welcome, I'm Kalinkotsoyu. More than a year since Moscow started its so-called special operation, the leader in the Kremlin claims that the stakes of the military campaign in Ukraine is the existence of Russia as a state itself. Speaking to workers in a factory manufacturing helicopters for the Russian armed forces, Vladimir Putin repeated arguments that the West aims at breaking down Russia. Accusing the West of using Ukraine for waging war against Russia, he said that theirs is not a geopolitical mission, but a mission for survival, one for creating conditions for the future development of their country and their children. As for Ukraine, Putin insisted that Moscow has been trying for decades on end to maintain good relations with that country, but that everything changed in 2014 when, as he claimed, there was a coup d'etat instigated by the West. This would not be the first time, and presumably not the last time, when the rhetoric of the Russian leader seems plucked from a parallel reality. Vladimir Putin stood as an accuser after perpetrating moves that were condemned by the West as a whole. Speaking for Radio Romania, Professor Julian Kifu said that the 21st century was characterized by a bipolar stability, lacking stability, after a generation, and that this stability with its turbulence and the reconfiguration of global security and international relations will be felt for yet another generation. Kifu is the author of a four-volume work called The Reconfiguration of Security and International Relations in the 21st Century, in which he makes a snapshot of the situation created by the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. As an expert in the former Soviet Union, Professor Kifu made an analysis of the trends and transition to the turbulent present. Ceea ce n-a putut să prevadă Gorbachev și n-a știut să reajusteze a fost faptul că odată ce a What Gorbachev could not predict or adjust to is that once he let breathe the various nations that made up the notorious so-called prison of peoples, the USSR, Each one of them would strive to reaffirm its identity and find its own independent way. As such, the collapse of the Soviet Union came naturally. There was an attempt of the communist state to survive, 
but in the end it resulted in the breakdown of the Soviet state as we used to know it, because it was an artificial state, a state made of pieces, controlled only by force and repression, and the concocted unity of a totalitarian ideology. The same thing is happening now, by transfer, maybe today, maybe in the future. The main question is, what will happen to Putin? What would the post-Putin era look like? His regime after a defeat in Ukraine. On this topic, the literature is rich. Books informed me that things go in a single direction. Putin will not be able to survive. But this is under discussion, and intelligence services are sure that there is a search for a successor to Putin. This would obviously happen not due to popular pressure and revolt. It would come from within, from his inner circle. Putinism is striving to survive replacing Putin, as happened with Khrushchev, for instance, by replacing him with someone within the circle. According to Yulian Kifu, a probable so-called retirement of Putin and his removal from the limelight would only bring forward someone from his inner circle who would try to save Putinism as a regime. Professor Kifu also mentioned the situation of the Russian military, made up of people sent to the front line with 80-year-old weaponry. They are simply sent to die as cannon fodder, never convinced of any reason as to why they are in Ukraine in the first place. According to him, this has happened before in history, but the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition as wave after wave of Russians are being thrown into battle gratuitously. If we were to look at another angle, Putin, one year after the beginning of the so-called special operation, has no narrative to serve his own people, let alone the international community, as to what he is doing in Ukraine. At the same time, one should not underestimate the role and aims of China. And here is Yulian Kifu once again. Problema lui Putin este că lumea s-a schimbat dramatic, că puterea în sensul absolut s-a disipat. Putin's problem is that the world has changed dramatically, absolute power has dissipated, and from two superpowers we went to two great powers and many regional powers. And neither of those superpowers is Russia. They are the US and China, and it is a big problem when you have Putin's level of ambition and when you have fed the Russian people this level of exceptionalism, also considering the sphere of influence that they were supposed to control. Xi Jinping has another type of weight. He represents a growing power. He has growing aspirations. He wants to influence the world. For him, Putin is a second, a junior partner. And more than that, he is ruining his business. The moment that China proposes a project of a solution, which is not really a solution, just some principles for solving the Ukraine situation, He had the message that nuclear weapons should not be used and the war should be over soon. You've been listening to the Future Stars today. Time now for a short music break in our program. DJ Project featuring Emma will perform the song All in Due Time. Să iubești Când visele mă duc spre tine 
Arată-mi cum îți place să trăiești Te rog Visele mai duc spre tine Când ochii se deschid Dar tu nu ești La loc This is Radio Romania International, cultural event. Hello and welcome to our culture feature, I am Kalin Kotsoyu. The National History Museum of Romania, the MNRI, continues the series of micro-exhibitions Exhibit of the Month, a series that highlights the museum's rich heritage. The ongoing micro-exhibition of the museum is called a Hrisov, or Edict, for setting into law an exemption from Dojdi, meaning taxes, issued by Constantin Mavrokordat. This exhibition recalls the reforms of the Fenariot era. The Fenariot era, or the Fenariot reigns, between 1711 and 1821, was a succession of reigns in the Romanian principalities of Wallachia and Moldavia, of rulers coming from the Greek district of Fanar, the main Greek district in Constantinople, today's Istanbul. The Fenariots dominated the administration of the Ecumenical Patriarchate of Constantinople, 
and had important political and administrative influence in the Ottoman Empire. In total, during the Fenariot period, 31 rulers were appointed in the two principalities coming from 11 different families. The struggle for power was so fierce that it even caused assassinations between members of the same family. Among Fenariot rulers, however, there were several examples of governors with extraordinary achievements and projects for the population, such as the reign of Constantine Mavrocortat, 1710-1769, who abolished serfdom in Wallachia and Moldavia, and promoted education, religion, and the printed book. We spoke at the opening about the exhibition and the history of the exhibit with its curator, museographer Eugeniu Lazar. Museum Național de Istorie a României deschide în perioada 14 iunie 16 iulie în cadrul proiectului de succes exploatului The National History Museum of Romania opens between June 14th and July the 16th within the framework of the successful project exhibit of the month a micro-exhibition entitled Ahrisov for setting into law an exemption from Dojdi issued by Constantin Mavrocordat in favor of Manola Chelambrino. Constantin Nicolae Mavrocordat was the son of Nicolae Mavrocordat, the first Fenariot ruler of Wallachia. Like his father, he was a learned ruler, as were all Greeks who came from Fanar, with a special bent for the philosophical and reforming ideas of the age. He was enthroned within the realm with the help of landed boyars, ruling several times in Wallachia and in neighboring Moldavia. And Eugenio Lazar told us about the edict issued by Fenariot ruler Constantin Mavrocordat. The June exhibit at the museum is a charter issued by the Chancellery of the Fenariot ruler Constantin Mavrocordat on February 23, 1732, in the ruling seat of Bucharest, calligraphed and illuminated by Popa Stanchul from the Church of All Saints as a solemn document by which Mavrocordat extended tax exemptions to Manolache Lambrino. You've been listening to Cultural Event. Living Romania. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Coming up next in the program, here is Music Highlights. I'm Eugen Nasta. Our choice of pieces today pays tribute to the late and internationally acclaimed Romanian soprano, Arta Florescu. To begin with, here is the famous Visidarte, an area of opera Tosca by Giacomo Puccini. Arta Florescu is accompanied by Radio Romania's Chamber Music Orchestra, conducted by Ludovic Baci.
Coming up next in the program, here's an excerpt from Isarluk, a burlesque poem on the lyrics of Romanian interval poet Ion Barbu. Accompanying Arta Florescu is a group of instrumentalists of the National Radio Romania Orchestra, conducted by Emanuel Elenescu. We end music highlights today with an excerpt from Leonora's area, 
of the fourth act as part of Giuseppe Verdi's opera The Force of Destiny. Accompanying Arta Florescu is Radio Romania's Chamber Music Orchestra, conducted by Karol Litvin. Coming up next in this broadcast, stay tuned for... Artscape Hello and welcome to Artscape with me, Cristina Matescu. In today's programme, we'll be looking at several international film productions whose scripts are based on Romanian literature. Some of these titles will probably be known to you, 
especially as they feature international stars such as Hugh Grant, Anthony Quinn and Harvey Keitel, among others, not to mention the involvement of such a legendary director as Francis Ford Coppola. So stay tuned. A philosopher of religions regarded as one of the most influential scholars in this field in the 20th century, Mircea Eliade is also the author of some beautiful novels and short stories. His 1933 novel Bengal Nights is perhaps his best-known work of fiction. Based on Eliade's trip to India as a young man to study in Calcutta in the 1920s, the novel is also a semi-autobiographical account of the love story between Eliade and the Indian poet and novelist Maitrey Devi, a disciple of the great Bengali poet Rabindranath Tagore. Gayatri told me you were too busy with your work. Did you stay for hours on end in your room with your books? That's not good. You'll fall ill again if you don't go out more often. Based on Eliade's novel, the 1988 film The Bengali Night casts a young Hugh Grant as a British engineer who falls in love with the daughter of his employer. Theirs is a forbidden love story, however, and its consequences dramatic. The film, which is directed by Nicholas Klotz, also stars Shabana Azmi, one of India's most acclaimed film stars. We love each other without mother and father knowing it. Yeah, well, we'll tell them very soon. It's impossible to tell them such things. While Bengal Nights deals with the encounter between East and West, a theme that dominated Eliade's work as both a scholar and fiction writer, Youth Without Youth, his novella from 1976, is full of supernatural suspense. Attracted by magic, the occult and the esoteric, Eliade wrote many fantastical short stories, some of which were adapted for the big screen. None of them, however, got the star treatment quite like the 2007 film Youth Without Youth, directed by Francis Ford Coppola himself. If someone were to tell me that there exist among us authentic magicians, saints, or anyone endowed with miraculous powers, I would believe them. The way the lightning struck you, you have to have been killed on the spot. You are lucky. His x-rays have come in. The roots are healthy, but they are being pushed up by new ones. He's a young man in the prime of his life. <laughs> I had to think, ten months ago, you turned 74 years old. Your government has instructed you to relinquish the patient to our custody. This is no longer a case of a living dead man, but of something else. The film starts as linguistics professor Dominic Matei, played by Tim Roth, gets struck by lightning as he was crossing a street in Bucharest in 1938. Taken to hospital, he finds that after this event, he's in fact getting younger. With World War II about to start, Nazi scientists become interested in this mysterious occurrence, so the professor has to flee, his search for safety taking him all over the world, from Romania to Switzerland and India. I was excited to discover in this tale by Eliade the key themes that I most hope to understand better – time, consciousness and the dreamlike basis of reality. For me, it is indeed a return to the ambitions I had for my work in cinema as a student, 
said Coppola about the film and Eliade's story that inspired it. Many of Mitra Eliade's works, including his fiction, are widely available in English, both in print and digital format. With the latest title to be published in English, The Diary of a Short-Sighted Adolescent, being published by Istros Books in 2016. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Titus Popovic is one of the best-known and most prolific scriptwriters in Romania. In 2013, his 1970 novella, The Death of Ipu, was turned into a film featuring international stars Gerard Depaggio and Harvey Keitel and called A Farewell to Fools. Told from the perspective of a young boy who witnesses the events, the film is set in a Romanian village shortly before the end of World War II, as the losing German armies were retreating. A German soldier is found dead near the village, and the German commander gives an ultimatum to the village authorities. They must produce the culprit by the next morning, or everyone will be shot. So they try to convince the so-called village fool, played by Gerard Depaggio, to give himself in. A German soldier has been murdered. I swear! In the case that the guilty person does not turn himself in by five o'clock, we will execute the ten authorities of this village. The next title we're looking at is also set in World War II. Released in 1967, The 25th Hour is based on a 1949 novel by Virgil Georgium, which depicts the trials and tribulations of a naive Romanian farmer as this part of Europe is occupied in turn by the Germans, the Americans and the Soviets. The book was, however, denied publication in Romania because it wasn't to the liking of the newly installed communist regime, and its author fled the country, settling in France. It's also in French that his book first got published, enjoying great success in France and the US. This perhaps explains the stellar cast of the film adaptation of the book, which included the likes of Anthony Quinn and the Italian actress Virna Lisi. Complete sets will be sent to Dr. Goebbels and Dr. Rosenberg, and one to every newspaper and magazine in Europe. Yes, Colonel. Gentlemen, you will please salute. No, not me. Him. A rare specimen who must be preserved. Johann Moritz. First exhibit in the first human zoo in history. I have the honor to be its founder. The 25th Hour, the book, was only first published in Romania in 1991, after the collapse of the communist regime and after the death of its author. An English-language translation by Rita Eldon and published by Alfred A. Knopf in 1950 is out of print, although used copies are probably still to be found in antique shops or on the Internet. The Star with No Name is the title of a play by Mihail Sebastian that was a big hit when it was first published in 1942. Its popular success has endured, being adapted for the stage and for cinema countless of times, including in the 1966 French-Romanian co-production entitled Mona L'Etoile Saint Nom, directed by Henri Colpi and featuring well-known French actor Marina Vladi. 
caught on the train without a ticket, Mona has to get off at the nearest station, which happens to be a small provincial town. It's the middle of the night and she has nowhere to stay, but fortunately the local school teacher offers her his home. As they start talking, they realize that they are attracted to each other. The play is also available in print in a new English version from Gabby Ray, published in 2020. As are many of Mikhail Sebastian's romantic novels, such as Women and The Town with Acacia Trees, as well as his heart-rending accounts of life as a Jewish man in interwar Romania, at a time when anti-Semitic sentiment was rife, in the novel for 2,000 years and in his diaries. And that's it for this edition of Artscape. I hope you enjoyed this brief look at international film adaptations of Romanian literature. Until next time, from me, Cristina Madeescu, it's goodbye. Focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. Welcome to Simply Folk. I'm Eugen Nasta. You're invited to listen to a song praising the beauty of Mara Mureș and performed by Emil Gavriš, a vocalist hailing from northern Transylvania.
And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 17 UTC on 13,750 kHz in the DRM system and on 15,180 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs, tomorrow, at 11 UTC on 15,320 and 17,670 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet, at www.rri.ro, channel 1. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at rri.ro. Goodbye.